Another thing that we learned young is um, if uh, we were helping others be successful, then we would be successful as well. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. Today's guest is Rhonda Dowdy, CEO of SND Plumbing, right outside of Austin, Texas. Like a lot of the women I spoke to for this season, Rhonda co-founded the business with her husband back in the 80s. Since then, she's done a tremendous job navigating the business through different iterations in both service and change in leadership. In short, Rhonda is unshakable and a total inspiration. SND has experienced tremendous growth these last few years, and Rhonda shows no signs of slowing down. We talked about what happens when hand, when handing down a business to the next generation doesn't go quite as planned and the importance of finding your specialty. Enjoy. Rhonda, welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. I know you have a totally fascinating story and journey, business journey. So to kick us off, can you just tell us about yourself? Sure. My name is Rhonda. I uh, am born and raised in Texas, and uh, my husband and I have been in the plumbing business for 40 years. I'm still very actively involved. I'm currently CEO, and I also own a second company that's run by my son. And um, yeah, just super excited to be on the show and share my journey with you. That's awesome. And congratulations on being a CEO. That's totally awesome. Uh, And the two companies, can you just clarify, the residential one is S&D Plumbing, correct? Correct. S&D Plumbing, we got that started in 1980. And then somewhere around 2004, uh, we broke off into a commercial company because we realized my oldest son enjoyed the commercial work more. And the boys kind of each wanted to have their own ownership eventually. So we uh, started uh, S&D Commercial Services, which is now known as Copra LLC. And my oldest son and his wife run that company. So, and yes, and I'm kind of a hands-off 51% owner of that company. My son owns the other 49%. Got it. And now 2001, did you say that you kind of- About 2004. 2004. Yes. The early turn of the century. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, you already <laughs> alluded that, you know, you started S&D Plumbing in 1980. Talk to me about how you got into the trades. Okay. Well, uh, my husband uh, worked as a plumber, plumbing assistant or apprentice during his high school years. And uh, then once he got out of high school, definitely decided that was the way he wanted to go. And once he got the proper licensing, I just came from a family that thought entrepreneurial. His dad was a preacher. His brother owned a construction company. So his brother said, hey, you can do it as good as anybody else. Why don't you go into business? Why don't you plumb my house? So his brother's house was the first house he plumbed under his own business. And basically, that's how we started. Nice. Yeah. When he started the business, did he immediately say to you, like, hey, Rhonda, I need someone to help me? Pretty much, you know, I think it was a joint effort because I was at a point where I'd been going to college for accounting. I was pretty well versed in accounting. So I thought, well, hey, this will be a good partnership. 
you know, he can do the work in the field and, and, and I can keep the books. So that's basically how, you know, that's typical. I think a lot about how husbands and wives get started. And uh, so we, that's what we did. And in no time we grew, we, we, we were doing really well in those early years, kind of went a little south, probably about uh, five years into it. We were in the, uh, at currently at that point, we were in the Galveston area. Uh, we basically grown too fast, gotten too big for our britches and got involved with a few contracts that ended up not paying in the end. And so we learned our big, most of our business knowledge came from hard knocks. And so we, we had our first hard knock, but um, we recovered from that, relocated to the central Texas area and have been going ever since. Got so, it. Yeah. Thanks for being so transparent about, you know, your first, you know, getting those, that first hard knock and maybe like the mid eighties. And you mentioned you had a lot of contracts that didn't end up paying at that time. Were you also doing commercial? Yes, we were. We were plumbing. When you go to Galveston, Texas, there's a number of the condos there that uh, we were plumbing. And, uh, you know, the problem was we were young and uh, I don't know that contractors, uh, subcontractors were protected quite as much as they are today, or if we just didn't know, uh, so, uh, when we weren't paid, we didn't feel like we had a leg to stand on. And, uh, so I guess fear crept in and, uh, we said, okay, well, we're done with that. Let's move on. Uh, I was from the central Texas area. So Sam was very excited about moving to that area. And, uh, so that's what we did. Got it. And that's where you are now in Austin, right? Uh, yes. We're near Austin. Yes. Austin's our home turf. Love it. So when the first time we talked, you mentioned that you guys not only started a business at the same time, but you also started your family at the yes. same time. Uh, I, I think I, sometimes that happens. <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? Talk to me about that experience. We worked out of our home. And so that was helpful. And then I, uh, well, you know, of course I hired somebody to come help me in the office and that person ended up being better with my children. So kind of had an in-home sitter, uh, worked out of our home, had employees come by our home every day. I mean, you just do what, we just did what we had to do. So uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much how we got started. Nothing glamorous, no glamorous buildings or offices or anything like that. Really everything was on paper and kept by hand in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I remember those old, the, the first computers came out and everything was in DOS, I believe it was. And just how, huge those computers were, but uh, we always wanted to be state of the art and try to keep up with technology and all that kind of stuff. So, but I can remember the, you know, early days of cell phones. I mean, when we first went into business, there were no cell phones, you know, there weren't even radios. Eventually there were radios. Um, so yeah, it was, it's just crazy times to think how much times have changed since the beginning. Yeah, it's actually really fascinating. I was listening to another podcast before we recorded this and I was like, holy cow, the type of work that I do didn't exist until I graduated from high school, yeah. which is insane to think about how much technology has just it been amplified in the last like three or four decades, essentially, um, and exactly. how businesses have had to adapt. So going back to kind of, you know, what happened in Galveston and then that prompted your move to Central Austin, you know, a lot of people I think can get discouraged by that. What was it about you know, you and Sam that really had you say, okay, this didn't work out. Let's try somewhere new opposed to let's, you know what, let's, I'll go plumb for another company and you go get a job at an accounting firm or something like yeah. that. Well, it wasn't at all glamorous. It was just a matter of tenacity, I would think. 
we did what we had to do. There were times where um, he was subcontracting for a water softener company, putting in water softeners. I mean, that's not exactly lucrative even today, but he, we did the things we had to do. We, we believed in building word of mouth because we didn't advertise at the time. You know, we couldn't afford to put an ad in the, in the phone book. So we built, literally built our business on word of mouth. We just did whatever had to be done. Uh, there were times, there was a season in our life that uh, I started a house cleaning business and I cleaned houses and he answered the phones and worked. And so, you know, like I said, we achieved success young and then it took probably uh, once we relocated, it really took a good 10 years for us to reestablish and actually become start to see some success, start to see uh, something positive coming from all of our efforts other than just putting food on the table and, and uh, all that good stuff. So, so it took a while after you did that did. initial move to really start seeing some net, so I'm assuming like net profits, more money that you Correct. can invest into the business and reap more benefits for your family. Correct. And being able to hire more people for many years, it was just my husband and a helper. So uh, we really did, um, we really were mom and pop and uh, we, we know we struggled and that's not unusual at all. We didn't have the educa business education uh, and we started our business with the money that we had in the bank, which wasn't a lot of money. And so when, when we went through those troubles, I mean, we were back in that same boat. Uh, it was just the money that we could generate. Uh, so it wasn't like we had any budget for marketing or any budget for anything, really. We just, um, honestly, I can't even tell you. I just think we built a good reputation off what we did. I can't even remember how those first service calls came in. Uh, maybe uh, Sam probably met another plumber who had overflow work. He was telling a story. I believe he would hang out at one of the uh, family-owned supply houses uh, with some of the other plumbers. And as the calls came in, the owner of the plumbing supply house would just divvy them out to the guys when people would call in and need a plumber. And honestly, I believe that's how it started in the Austin Dang. area. And that's how he began to build the business. Other than people that he put water softeners in for and that sort of thing. And, uh, but he just did a great job. He wowed his customers. He's had many, some customers still with us that were, you know, customers even back then. So, I mean, that says something about your word of mouth yes. and your reputation. Exactly. And I also, like, I just had this vision while you were talking about that of like, all right, how much money do we have in the bank? Uh -huh. All right, that, okay, cool. We can start our business with that much money. And that's, I mean, I can only imagine that that's how so many owners of service businesses start, you know, they're fantastic technicians, they're really good at their job, and then they decide to make it on their own. As right. Sam was, you know, hanging out at the family owned supply house, and as he was taking an overflow work from other plumbers, what were you doing um, in on the office side of things to kind of convert those early call? I mean, I know you said you couldn't really remember, it's probably all blurred, but like, <laughs> what, were the, what were the kind of things that you were doing on the back end to really amplify and, you know, laid the foundation for S&D. Yes. Well, of course, I was answering the phones from home, raising my children. Uh, we ended up having four children, two boys and two girls. And uh, so the entire time that they were young, I worked out of the home. Uh, it wasn't until uh, 1995 that we moved our business into our first office. Prior to that, probably the five years prior to that, Sam worked out of a, uh, like a little warehouse area in the Austin area, but I still took all the phone calls from home. But yeah, it wasn't until we really launched that first location that it really 
really seemed real. I mean, that really, it was always real, but I mean, it kind of substantiated our business. It kind of made us uh, a little more important and a little more viable, I guess it would be. It's like um, that first benchmark or that first yes. landmark that you hit as business owners. Yes, that is correct. And that's about the time that Sam totally came out of the field, uh, which was a big deal for me. Sam has always been the visionary for our company. And uh, he usually has visions for, you know, that are way in the distance and it takes me a while to catch up. But I think we balance each other really well because I can integrate, I can make happen what his dreams are. And uh, so uh, that's part of what's made us. So that was back in the day when we didn't even realize that. Uh, it was uh, probably about uh, five years ago, my oldest son, or well, it was just a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, my oldest son ran across uh, a, a, another contractor about his age. And uh, that contractor was successful. He had locations in multiple cities. And so he asked, hey, you know, how, how are you doing this? And uh, he, that contractor introduced him to uh, EOS, basically, the EOS system, um, rocket fuel and traction. And that was really uh, one of the latest game changers for our business because all of a sudden uh, we realized who we were, uh, Sam as a visionary, me as an integrator, and it empowered us to operate in our areas of expertise. So probably about three years ago or so. That was the latest. Oh, we're going to get to this. Yeah. What, is, what does EOS stand for, by the way? Entrepreneurial Operating Systems. Oh, yeah. okay. I am fascinated with this. I've written yeah. it down. We are going to go back to that. Okay, awesome. Bef before we do, though, um, I really want to ask, you know, not only did you start a business, had to do a bunch of pivoting with your partner, you also started a family. You were essentially like co-founders, you know, the kind of verbiage that you would hear thrown around in tech startups now with your husband. What kind of, I mean please tell me if this is too personal, but like what kind of communication, like how did you guys support one another and lean on each other as you were envisioning this? Um, Cause there's so much emotion that, that goes in with starting a business and overcoming obstacles. And it, it's just a very emotional place that can sometimes be scary. Right. I, I don't think we thought that deep into it. Uh, uh, I just think that we operated well together. And I can tell you that as we began to grow, once we were in the Austin area and we began to grow, uh, my memories are like this, okay? Me sitting at a tiny desk in our bedroom with a typewriter, typing out invoices while he's laying in bed exhausted. It's probably 11 o'clock at night, dictating to me what to bill and uh, what verbiage to use. And that's really where my education came from in plumbing. Like I can, I can pretty much diagnose things or tell you what's going on. And I have a very vast plumbing knowledge, but it's all been uh, learned that way. You know, I've never been to school. I should have my license, but I never applied for my apprenticeship. I should have. Uh, mm -hmm. Women in business, be sure you do that nowadays. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was just by doing. It was by doing. We didn't think too terribly far ahead. We just tried to make it happen. And as each stage came, we just built on that next stage. Really, honestly, it hasn't been until probably the last 10 years of business that we've been more proactive about what does the future look like? Uh, what can we do next? How can we grow exponentially and that sort of thing? Prior to that, it was just, we just faced, faced it head on one thing at a time. Got it. Yeah. So thinking really more about the immediate future than on the long right. term as you started the business, which I mean, you got to do what works for you, but I can imagine if you didn't have 
Yeah. Wow. I love that you just answered that with, um, you didn't think much about it, to be honest. Um, that's awesome. Well, it's not very business-like. And I know that your listeners out there that uh, have a, their business plan and have everything worked out, that just wasn't who we were. We more winged it. Um, we're very much like that, but it worked, but it wasn't easy and it didn't happen overnight. And we had ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs. So I mean, I can remember one Christmas when uh, my kids were little, my youngest daughter was probably about nine months old and we had a freeze, a really, really hard freeze. We don't get many of those here, but it had frozen for several days. I think it was Christmas Eve. My, my baby had chicken pox, just a horrible case of chicken pox. And I believe we had family staying with us. I mean, it was Christmas and uh, yet Sam was, I mean, I was just answering service calls as fast as I could. And Sam was out there with his hairdryer and his blowtorch trying to unthaw people's pipes. And, but it was an opportunity, see? So we just took that, yes, it's Christmas. Yes, we have people over, but, you know, people needed us, number one. And number two, it was an opportunity. And uh, we just sacrificed in that way, you yeah. know, uh, we did whatever it took. So. Yeah, totally. And I really want to get to, um, I really want to get to, you know, the last couple of years you mentioned to me that you've experienced a tremendous amount of growth contributing to the EOS system. Um, but talk to me before we get to, you know, more recent history, talk to me about how you guys found your, your niche, how you found your specialization and how that really started, you know, improving, like really growing S&D. Yes. Okay. So, you know, I told you Sam's a visionary. He'd always said, listen, we'll find our niche. We'll find our niche. And it just happened. He was on a job one day and a insurance adjuster showed up on the job. And uh, this was probably, um, gosh, I don't know, uh, maybe early 1990s or some early 1990s before we moved into our first location. And uh, they said, Hey, can you find this plumbing link? And it was like, sure. I can find this plumbing leak. And uh, so even before there were cameras or leak detection equipment, he just believed he could do it. And he did. And he found the leaks and uh, began a relationship with an insurance company. And then that led to another insurance company. And so for a lot of years, we were really heavy on the insurance side of things. And that's really what helped us to grow exponentially because we were one of the only or one of the few in our area that could do it. And Back then, you had one-on-one -on -one relationships with agents, and Sam always was so great with those one-on-one -on -one relationships, and um, they trusted us, and uh, that really, that really helped us be able to afford to take that next step, and um, and move into a, a to a building. The so, leak detection specialty. The leak, the leak detection specialty, and we're still leak detection specialists to this day. Probably about 10 years ago, we began to realize that, you know, insurance work was changing. There was no guarantee. Coverages were changing. It's about the time the mold scare came in and everybody was afraid of mold and insurance companies quit covering a lot of stuff. So um, uh, we decided to really work on our, um, our repair side because we don't build new homes or anything like that. We're, we're, we're residential all the way. So we really wanted to build up our service business. And so now we're probably about 55% service and about 45%, you know, 45% insurance. Oh, so, yeah. So we still do insurance work to this day, have long standing relationships with great insurance companies. Uh, but we have built that, uh, that service side of our company. That's really interesting. I would imagine is the insurance side of the business still 
relational directly with an insurance agent. How is it? Talk to me about how it's changed. Oh man, it has changed because, uh, number one, there's a huge turnover with it, <laughs> with insurance adjusters. And, uh, some of one of the companies we're with, I mean, it's just grown exponentially. Like if I said the name, everybody would know it, but so it is different and there's different systems and things evolve and you really don't know where you stand. We're in the middle of a big evolution with that particular insurance company right now. Uh, so yeah, it's completely different. So that's why we needed to uh, bring in more of what we could control and well what we felt like we could build up and control because that's kind of a very volatile um, side of our business we never really know uh, what's going to come in but we we've, we've stayed pretty steady there and uh, but yeah we try to nurture those relationships but like I said it's it's totally different now yeah, that's so interesting. Well, if there's so much turnover, then your point of contact at the insurance company is consistently changing. You constantly exactly. have to build up that relationship. Whereas on the residential side of business, you know, that's your, your in an ideal wor world, servicing that uh, home for the entire right. time the homeowners are in it. So there's longevity, all that stuff. Um, so would it be safe to assume that, you know, as S&D continues to grow, you guys are going to focus more on building out that residential side of your business? I think we're going to continue, you know, leak detection is a big thing. Uh, we're going to continue growing that area. We our, our niche is investigative plumbing repair. And so we train our technicians. Uh, we try to have the state-of-the-art equipment, uh, which is evolving. And uh, of course, the competition's getting greater. You know, we kind of innovated that area in our in in, in the area of uh, that we're in. But now there's a lot more competition. Um, I was talking the other day. I remember the early days of tunneling under foundations and making repairs. Basically, could charge twice what you can charge today because of the competition and. And of course, also the uh, equipment, it's easier to get in and out and all that kind of stuff. So, but uh, yeah, um, I would say we're going to continue to try to nurture that insurance side, but also definitely take good care of our, our service customers as well. Got it. So let's talk about uh, today. So in the last couple of, of um, years, you guys have really seen another growth surge. Talk to me about it. No detail is too small. And I, I would love to learn more about the EOS system as well. Okay, great. Well, I think um, one of the things that really helped us, so I, I mentioned mom and pop. We truly were mom and pop. We set our rates by uh, being a little lower than the next guy. You know, we always wanted to be that average plumber, which we had no idea what our cost of doing business was or anything else. We had some great people associated with our business. I've, I have one technician that we just celebrated his 25th year with us, and um, he's been instrumental. Uh, he's a leak detection expert like no other. So we've had some amazing people working with us. Probably about 10 years ago, 10 to 12 years ago, we got back involved or involved with PHCC and QSC, kind of best practices groups for plumbing, and that helped us tremendously. Uh, we began to uh, really see that there were areas of improvement uh, probably maybe seven years ago or so. We decided finally to go flat rate. And one of the reasons why, uh, well, that had always been a bad word for us because 
we had heard the stories about people overcharging and all that kind of stuff, but uh, we went commission-based pay for our technicians and um, menu pricing, we call it, because we wanted to be able to reward the technicians that were um, achieving well. You know, otherwise, you know, there may just be a few dollars difference in what a, a licensed plumber made per hour, and you'd have one performing you know, at such a high level, and then you'd have your middle of the road, and then you're even your low performers, and they're really not making, the amount of money they're making wasn't that much different, so we wanted to incentivize, and uh, so that was a huge step to get us to where we are today. It was a big one, and we, we learned about all that through the organizations that we were part of, QSC especially, and um, getting to meet other people. There were other plumbing companies that were super influential in our lives, that we looked to and we wanted to be like them. And uh, one of those was um, uh, located in San Francisco, as a matter of fact. And um, uh, there, when, when we found out about EOS, uh, somehow we found out that they were on the EOS system and they were also a family business. There were several siblings involved. The dad had started the business. He was now out of the business. So EOS worked really well for them. And uh, so that was very encouraging. And I think best practices groups are so great because um, you learn so much, not so much, you know, you learn in the classes that you have and that sort of thing, but you also learn a lot by uh, talking to other people um, that are in the same business you're in, uh, maybe similar uh, all throughout the U.S., Canada, and uh, you learn so much that way to implement. And I will say this, uh, we are implementers. We implement. And uh, so when we learn something new that we're bought into, we do implement well. Uh, you can learn all day long, but if you don't implement anything, it doesn't get you anywhere. So That's so funny you say that. Uh, that's a, that theme has been coming up naturally in a lot of the conversations I'm having. You know, I, I invite a lot of experts from uh, the service industries to speak at service time webinars and on the podcast. And they'll say, you know, out of the hundred of you who are hearing this right now, there's only going to be two of you that actually implement this. And for the two of you, this is going to be amazing. That is. I guess that's so true. There's a lot of people that attend. I mean, knowledge is only as good as much as you use it, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. And in those uh, early days of being involved, we would get, we would learn so much that we would have to say, okay, well, what's the most important takeaway? Like pick the one or two most important takeaways for now Go implement that because you can't do everything at one time. Totally. It's just, you just do things steps, you know, one step at a time. And then next time we'd go, we'd learn something more and then we'd implement that. And we implemented some things that worked really well and others that didn't. But you know what? The really great thing about making decisions is if you make a wrong one, you always get to make another one. You can fix it. So that's one of our mottos. But uh, always make a decision. Go for it. And if it doesn't work out, make another one, you know. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, it's for great. Sure. It's as simple yeah. as that. It is. And I love that you say, you know, we were, you just, you just quoted some like really between flat and implementing flat rate pricing, commission pay, EOS, which I have a couple more questions on and just, you know, joining the best practice organization groups like PHCC and Q, QSC, like those are giant moves. Those they are, are really, they require buy-in from employees they require, like, it, there's a lot of elements that go into this. So when you say we're implementers, um, say, for example, you know, the commission pay process, how did you yes. go about saying, okay, we're going to implement oh. this and how did you track it? Yes. That was so big. It was so big. Well, we tracked it 
through software. That, that wasn't the problem. The problem was selling it to the mm. technicians. So, uh, and I mentioned the one that's been with us 25 years, like I knew that there was going to be a lot of pushback. And one of the things that we were taught is uh, not everyone's going to want to go this route. You're going to lose some people. And we did, we lost some people because there were some people. And even now when we're recruiting, not everyone wants to work under a system like this, but your high achievers will definitely benefit. So we're always looking for the best of the best to come in and be a part of who we are. Uh, we want to reward them well. But uh, yeah, there was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a little rough um, there at first. But what we did uh, to get started is for, say, like a month, we would, we would show them their timesheets, what they would make hourly and what they would have made if they were on commission. Mm. And so you kind of sell it out that way. And, uh, and I guarantee you that no one wants to go back. My 25 year employee would not go back at this point. He loves it. He's, he's making more than he ever thought he'd make. And, it, and it's a way for as owners to share that, that success and to allow uh, others to participate and have uh, a piece in that. And another thing that we do also to share is we make sure that everyone has um, a bonus system. So it doesn't matter who you are in our company, you have the opportunity to bonus either weekly or monthly. And uh, uh, to me, that's a huge incentive uh, to perform well. And, and like I said, we're always looking for achievers, people that want to uh, work hard and be rewarded for it. Got it. And when you say bonus, is there specific company goals or KPIs you're trying to hit? And then if you hit them, then the bonuses get distributed accordingly? Yes. So we, we have company KPIs and then we have for each position, we have a scorecard, which mm. is basically KPIs. And uh, everybody has five items on their scorecard. Oh no, I believe everybody has six items. And at, if they pass five, they bonus. If they pass four, they pass and you don't want to fail. And uh, there's kind of a three strike thing if you fail. Uh, but uh uh, our people typically don't fail, but we want to give everybody that opportunity. And yes, uh, we do have to hit a minimum uh, net profit in order to pay it out because you got to have money to pay it out. But honestly, if people are passing their scorecards, everything's going to just happen exponentially. I mean, uh, we want another thing that we learned young is um, if uh, we were helping others be successful, then we would be successful as well. And so that's still a goal. It's still a goal. We want to see others succeed in what they're doing. And uh, it'll just come back to us. We're not in the money making business. We're in the service business. We serve our team, we serve our customers, and the money just does come as a result of that. I love that. Now, in terms yeah. of like building out those scorecards, did you build them out through help from best practice organizations, through mentors in the industry? We did. We did. Uh, we brought in, we We've had coaching through several different coaching organizations. So basically, yes, we had to have the help to do that. Uh, that's all part of the EOS system. So, uh, but as far as uh, what should we be measuring, that sort of thing, uh, we definitely did have help. And then once you get going on it, it just kind of evolves. You, you see the things that are important to measure. And sometimes you'll see where you're lacking and, oh, we got to start measuring that, you know, and put that on the scorecard. So. Uh, it changes, but uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's been a key part of our success, I do believe. 
Got it. All right. Tell me about this EOS system. I, I got to know. I've never heard about it before. So what's, what's the whole value of it? Um, you know, you mentioned that your husband is the visionary and mm-hmm. you're the in, integrator. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. Talk to me. What is it? So, so basically, um, after my oldest son read the book, uh, he excitedly came back to us and said, oh my God, now I know why you guys work so well together. And uh, dad's the visionary. You're the integrator. Oh my gosh, you got to read this book. And that book's called Rocket Fuel. So we read that first. And the cool thing about it is sometimes visionaries can be out there a little bit. And um, when you've got sons in the business with you, um, you know, they don't know how much of it's crazy and how much of it, you know, it's like dad's off his rocker or what's the deal. But uh, the cool thing about it is I think it, it really, um, I don't know, uh, the respect level for him went up because they realized, oh, wow he's important and all of these dreams and all of this stuff he's telling us we need to do, uh, it it is good and it's leading us to the future. And, uh, uh, so we read that and then, uh, assist kind of a sister book to that is traction Mm -hmm. and traction tells you how to do it all. Like what all, what all you need to do. Like there's a meeting pulse, there's scorecards, uh, there's right, Uh, right people in the right seat. Sometimes it's wrong people, wrong seats. And so you learn how to interpret all that. You uh, learn how important it is, how to have, you know, hard conversations, uh, all that good stuff. It's just a business system. It's a, it it really enhances your communication. Uh, We also use a tool called Trello for Mm -hmm. all of our meetings. And uh, so that way uh, we can all be on the same page. We can add different things to Trello. So we we have a Trello board for every meeting that we have. Um, So yeah, just uh, honestly, uh, when we implemented the EOS system, my son was still in the business. He was GM for uh, about nine years. Uh, My husband decided to step out of the business um, and allow the sons to come in and run. Uh, and run the business. I mean, he was still, uh, you know, he still kept his, he still knew what the pulse of everything was, but he truly believed uh, that, that the boys would take over and that uh, he needed to step aside to allow that to happen because mm-hmm. there couldn't be two leaders. There needed mm-hmm. to be one leader. And, um, and, th- and then I mentioned that we split off because the boys each wanted to have their own thing. And then actually my youngest son decided that he wanted to be a business coach more than he wanted to be a uh, owner of a plumbing company. So uh, uh, a year ago, almost a year ago, he stepped out and, um, and Sam and I had to, uh, I was still involved, very actively involved in the business. And uh, uh, once he stepped out, then when we had to decide, okay, what's going to happen, you know, because you know, you got to decide, do we want to keep this for the next generation? Because our goal had always been uh, for this business to be a blessing to the next generation and the next generation after that. So uh, we, we decided, yes, we still wanted that goal. And honestly, in the, in the last however many months, it's been six, seven months, uh, I, I really see the transition from a family company where the focus was on family, the family, the dowdy family, to now it's more of a focus on the family, the team family. And the team knows that uh, we want to carry it on to the next generation and we want them to rise up. Mm. So that's our biggest challenge today is raising, is, is working on our leadership and raising their leadership to the next level. 
so that we don't have to be actively involved on a daily basis somewhere down the road. Got it. Um, and thank you for naturally segueing into my next yes. topic, which was going to be, okay. about, you know, so you're, you had two sons, your one son went, took over the commercial business that you guys had formed in about 2004. And then you had your other son who was working as the GM at S and D for about yeah. nine ish years, you know, because he brought the EOS system to you guys, it totally makes sense that he's a business coach now. I've actually spoke to a lot of business coaches through Service Titan, uh, and I love what he did there. Um, but yeah, talk to me about, you know, now that he has stepped out, you know, which for a lot of family businesses can be a bit of a shock when that, you know, when oh, yeah. the presumed <laughs> that next generation mm-hmm. says, actually, no, thanks. So. Right. Does it, I know that now your daughter and your son-in-law are also involved in the business, yes. but you're also raising your team up. So are you guys kind of setting the stage for maybe some employees that are still work, are working for you right now may take ownership or your daughter and your son-in-law? What, what does that look like? Well, we plan, actually, we don't know. Ownership right now uh, likely will remain with the family. Uh, uh, I don't know what, what's going what's gonna to happen actually with the ownership part of it down the road, but uh, number one, yes, it was very shocking. Uh, it, was, um, it was devastating, actually. Um, but I will say this, that uh, there had already been some teamwork issues. We weren't really on the same page um, uh, on what we were promoting. He was kind of doing his thing. I was kind of doing mine. And it, was, it wasn't good. And we were stagnant. Uh, we were stagnant probably for a solid three years. Uh, we were making money, but, uh, you know, there was, but we just weren't growing. And, um, when he decided to leave, you know, it was super scary. I didn't know which direction we would go. Uh, we looked for uh, a new GM, uh, we put ads out, uh, but we also wanted to make it available to team members. Uh, we had a service manager working under my son and then, uh, we also opened it up to the technicians. And uh, it came down to a choice to promote the service manager or to bring up one of the technicians that had really only been with us for a year. But we'd seen something super special in him. And he had actually been in his own business prior. Uh, And uh, so we promoted him. And uh, the whole transition, you got to realize that anytime you're making decisions, you just got to be transparent. Uh, that's a huge piece of advice that I would give. So my team has seen me cry. My team has seen me, um, you know, assure them that I am, I, I'm there for them and assure them that I still love Dan and that we're still going to go on. Oops, said his name. So I'm going to go on without him. Uh, and then promoting this person was not like the popular decision. Literally when I was making the decision, I would have, uh, I, I had someone working in my office at the time that would came in and actually she, I mean, she was barely 20 years old and she was telling me, well, I can't work for that person. I, you really need to promote this person. And, uh, so I knew I was not necessarily making the popular choice, but, uh, we had to sell that to our team as well. And it has worked out so well. And it's amazing that the one thing I can say about leadership is you've just got to be on the same page. Uh, you've got to be working toward the same goals. EOS systems helps you do that, but it's also the heart and the buy-in. If you're, if you're not working together, a system divided against itself is going to fall. And, uh, so we've proven, 
we continue to prove our leadership. We continue to improve our leadership. Uh, we continue to work together and we achieve our goals. And uh, honestly, we'd had the same revenue goal um, the past three years. We had not broken that ceiling. We could not break that ceiling. And so for uh, 2020, this all went down the end of 2019. So for 2020, I said, listen, let's just go for that same goal again. We don't really know what's going to happen. We took one of our biggest producers out of the field uh, to, to come in and be the GM. I mean, that was scary, really scary. And um, uh, so uh, we just decided we'd go for it. And now we've upped our goal because Love we're it. knocking that goal out of the park. And we're like, hey, uh, we're knocking it out of the park. We need to go ahead and up that goal uh, so we can have something that we're working toward. And honestly, it's just teamwork. It's just teamwork. Uh, um, uh, he's even asked me, well, what's making the difference? And I said, well, it's because we're working together as a team. Mm. And it does, it really does make a difference. And it's important to uh, have that in your leadership. I love that. And also just to clarify, so this technician who had been with you for only a year, he was your highest producer? Yes. He was Gosh. my highest producer at the time. Great. I mean, that he... He, um, I, there were just traits about him that we saw that where we knew he could lead and where he was, uh, took care of details and was really good with the customers and also had the ability to, uh, cared about people and, uh, uh had the uh, ability to, um, train and the care to train, mm. you know, so in that way it's worked out because he's been so hands-on with all the other technicians and uh, raising them up to a higher standard. So I love it's that. worked out. Yeah. And you mentioned he had his own business beforehand, right? Yes. He'd had his own business. It had been years prior, actually been out in California. Oh, dang. And uh, yeah, I'd been out in California. Uh, and uh, so he wasn't new to plumbing, super smart guy, good with numbers. Um, so um, yeah, we decided to take that risk. Yeah. And I know that is a big risk. A lot of, own, I've heard that before. A lot of owners are very hesitant to hire technicians who have tried to start their own business because they're concerned that they'll just take your customers and try to get on their own, which actually you guys, I know have experienced before. Some of your best technicians in the past have left and are now competitors of you, but you guys are actively trying to prevent that moving forward. And I, you yeah. kind of touched upon it again. Uh, you kind of, kind of touched upon it before by saying how you're really empowering your team, but can you speak more specifically to that particular issue of, um, you know, uh, I'm worried that my technicians are gonna leave and start their own thing. Why would I invest in them? Cause they'll just get better than me, that kind of mindset. No, no, you can't do that at all. You have to be secure in who you are and always provide opportunity. So I, I believe uh, even in some, at least in one of the cases that if we'd have had better leadership at the time, uh, we may not have had that happen. But uh, he, that particular person said, Hey, your family's inspired me. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to try to go out and do this on our own. And he was a very high producer. So he'd been making a lot of money for a number of years and been putting it back and uh, started his own business. But uh, uh, so what we're doing today is, um, and this was kind of a, a something that a collaboration between my son and my husband that they came up with was um, to start managed partner locations. Mm -hmm. So uh, as part of our growth plan uh, to go ahead and have um, what we call managed partner locations. So we'll take a tech uh, 
that's very well trained in all the areas of our business, um, plant him in an area, maybe just on the outskirts of where we currently service. We have a huge service area, so kind of breaking up the service area and uh, giving him a chance to uh, experience um, leadership in that way, to build up his team and build up his service, service area and uh, hopefully eventually resulting in some sort of ownership uh, opportunity. Got so, it. So yeah. doing uh, doing a little. I won't say I won't say the franchise word necessarily, no. but but kind of. But that's very interesting. So instead of, you know, notice so knowing your team, knowing who are your high producers, who are your best performing techs, and saying like, hey, how do you feel about you know running up this second location here, and kind of giving them that pathway to expand their skills, get that business experience, and you keep them in the S and D family opposed to them starting their own. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not necessarily your high producers, um, although they typically they typically are. But we've got other high producers that have no interest in that. But uh, what we see is um, a lot of times, you know, you've got an ambitious young men coming into the trade um, and their whole goal is to own their own business. So if you can attract them, train them on your systems, uh, make them the best, you know, help them to become the best that they can be and then provide an opportunity. The cool thing about it is there's so much that they don't have to handle. They don't have to worry about marketing. They don't have to worry about where the customers are coming from. They don't have to worry about the accounting. They don't even have to worry about answering the phones. So we take care of all that. We're able to grow our hub. Hey, who knows that maybe eventually we'll have um, a, a phone service where we're answering phones for other companies. Uh, you know, a CSR service, basically. We don't know where all it will go. But uh, we know that uh, we want to provide opportunity for every team member, whether it's a tech or, or someone in the office. I love that. Well, I can definitely yeah. hear how excited you are about yes. it. I'm um, very passionate about it. Yeah, I can tell. And one of the reasons that, um, you know, we originally connected is because I believe you also wanted to talk about, you know, being a woman in the trades, being a female CEO of a plumbing business. So can you talk to me a little bit about why that's important to you too? Yes, um, basically because uh, there's a lot of hardworking women in the, in the trade. We may not necessarily put on the tools, but uh, we do work hard. And I'm going to tell you something, our CSRs, our dispatcher, our accounting department, our marketing department, many of those are women. Uh, and they work so hard and take so much pride into what they do, uh, trying to set the technicians up for success. So we want to be able to provide opportunity for them. And it would be amazing to actually have women in the trade. I, I have not hired uh, a female technician, but I would in a heartbeat if there was someone that wanted to do that. Uh, but just providing opportunity to where um, uh, there's growth and there's a career path for everyone, uh, not just the technicians in the field, although they're the, really the breadwinners, but where, where there's so much support staff and uh, we wanted to be the best we can in, in every area. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't want the women to be overlooked. We, we um, work really hard to make that happen. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. Like I love, I'm actually, you're actually my fourth woman on this season already. I'm oh, nice. Concerted effort to highlight some of the badass ladies in the yeah. trade. And I know that, um, you know, with the labor shortage and everything that, you know, is very top of mind for a lot of contractors nowadays, you know, the question is how can we not only get more people interested in the trades, but how can we get women interested in the trades now too? Exactly. But, what, what, you know, 30 years ago, again, talking about technology was a very labor intensive career path is now not so much with a lot of new tools, technologies, and 
methods by which to like lift heavy objects and all that stuff. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Yes, that's awesome. Um, so I know that you have a couple goals lined up, right? Um, so you essentially, you know, your one of your sons stepped away from the business that was devastating, but you know, it sounds like you really found a great niche with this, uh, you know, this really passionate, uh, technician that you promoted to GM and things are going great. Um, I know you have the interest in opening up a second location. Is that like the man, uh, man, managed partner location or would yes. that be a, Got it. So we're that is the managed partner location. We've already got it in the works. We've already <gasps> signed the lease. Congrats! And, uh, yeah. So this quarter, uh, we're we're putting the final touches on our tech playbook and our branch manager playbook, and uh, getting everything set up. And uh, we're going to be launching no later than October first. Oh my uh, gosh! Congrats. Our first managed repair location. Oh my gosh! And in the yes. mid of a pandemic, no less. No less, no less. And if it wasn't for all the hard work from everybody on our team, there's no way that this would be possible. But uh, we have crushed goals all the way through the pandemic. Um, uh, we've just got a we've we've just got a hardworking team that, uh, um, yeah, just um, oh, overachieves, I guess. And um, but we do really, honestly, we take really great care of our customers. That's what we're all about. We want to be the best of the best uh, within our service area, service to our, to our customers. So it's, it's, it's paying off with results. Yep. That's awesome. It is. Um, so I know your husband has kind of stepped away from the day-to-day of the business. You're still, like it sounds, very invested. Um, what are your plans professionally? What kind of things would you like to see put in place before you start stepping away. Right. Well, you know, it's one of those things. You've got to raise up leaders uh, and you've got to have people you trust in the position. Uh, We're really in the um, early stages of forming what we're calling uh, probably a management group, maybe called the Dowdy Group, uh, to where uh, uh, we'll be able to expand our businesses and have other businesses, but we've got to have those trusted people running them. so that's what I'm in the process of doing right now is, is growing leaders, ha- having people that I trust, and turning over different areas of the business. Um, it wasn't that long ago I had my hands in just about everything, and I, and I don't, I can probably say that I don't anymore. I still spend probably too much of my time working in the business. There's so much I, I feel like I could bring if I could uh, work on it more, so that's a daily struggle, uh, but uh but anyway, that's, that, that is my goal. That is my vision. It was my vision uh, before my son left because I wanted to equip him and make sure he was ready. I knew I had to replace myself, uh, and I still do. I have to replace myself as the integrator. Um, and uh, so that's just all part of the, I'm hope you know, next five, seven years, something like that. I want to, you know, in the next five years, for sure, I'd like to have it running to where I could just you know, have a bird's eye view of what's going on instead of having to be in it on a daily basis. Got it. Um, I, I completely neglected to ask this information at the very top, but uh-huh. could you tell me how many uh, employees you guys currently have at SND? And when you say like crush goals, what are those goals to you and, and what are you pacing towards for the end of the year? Sure, sure, sure. So um, we have uh, consistently about 30 to 32 employees. Um, in this business. And then in our commercial business, we're at probably about 20 to 25. Uh, so, you know, we employ a substantial number of people. Um, and uh, our goal for this year was 6 million in sales and uh, 
uh, net profit and uh, we're on the way to like 6.8 million if the second half of the year is as great as the first half of the year and over 20% net profit. So uh, we're, yeah, like I said, uh, it's amazing. Uh, we're super proud. We're super proud of our team and all the hard work. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing your story. Is there anything that we should, that you wish we had talked about that we didn't? You have to give me a minute to think about that. Oh, take um, your time. Yeah. It's a well, stumper. Yeah. You know, uh, it, part of our story is, is, is real life. So, uh, uh, my husband and I, um, lost a, a child. Uh, a little over 20 years ago, uh, one of our children, and um, it was devastating to us. Uh, our team rose up, um, but that struggle um, led to eventually my husband saying, you know, hey, I, I can't handle the day-to-day. -day. I want to step out, and the sun's rising up probably really maybe a few years earlier than maybe that should have happened, but it all worked out and uh, we've struggled even with more tragedy in our family. Uh, my oldest son who uh, lost his entire family in an automobile accident about eight years ago. Oh, and uh, so just know the struggle is real, whether it's the business struggle, whether it's life struggles, um, uh, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, work hard. It will come back to you. Build your relationships. Uh, that's one of our biggest deals is we are all about relationship. Um, and uh, uh, your team will come through for you when you need your team to come through for you. And then you're there for them when they're struggling. Uh, life is real. Business problems are real. Uh, but uh, uh, just be diligent every day to do the right thing. Um, and uh, and, and I, I believe good things will come. I mean, what a way to end it, Rhonda. I'm very sorry for the losses your families have experienced, but I am inspired by your story. And I really want to thank you for sharing it with me and for the rest of the audience of Toolbox. Yes, thank you so much. So thank you for having us. And uh, well, thank you for you know, joining us and sharing your story. And uh, please keep me updated on the second location. I, I sure will. And I hope this will be helpful to someone out there. Um, and I sure appreciate your time and efforts in, in this broadcast. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks. Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com slash value. Again, that's servicetitan.com slash value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash group slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online.